Well, this is our uh, final sermon of this series. Uh, we've been looking at the questions that, uh, that Jesus asked, uh, questions that likely he would still ask us uh, the exact same way uh, if he was here. Uh, we're going to go through a couple of more questions today. Um, now, there are questions that I suppose if, if Jesus walked here in 2020, uh, he would probably not say the same thing. Like, for example, he might not ask, uh, uh, if a son asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? That might go over our heads, I think, probably. Uh, he'd probably rephrase that. Or, can you drink the cup that I drink? He might say the same thing, but say it a different way. Uh, but we've tried to pick out some questions that, that really, I think, resonate with us just reading it. It, it just sounds poignant and, and um, we began a topic of wisdom last week. We talked about our, our ability to, uh, to listen and to observe Christ through uh, the, the Gospels and, and especially, uh, but, but even just observing uh, the, the apostles and, and looking at what has been uh, spoken uh, and, and, and to, to visualize it, being there in those. So you learn so much, I think, when you open up yourself to, to in putting yourself in the situation. Like, if I was there, what would I have done? You know, it's easy to go back and look at some of these stories and go, oh, they should have done that. And you're like, if I was really there, like just in our morning class, you know, uh, talking about Job, if that was me, like, who would I be in that story? Like, would I be, I'd probably be one of those, the, the three not-so-friends, you know? And uh, uh, just put yourself in the stories, and there's so much. But this week, we're going to talk about wisdom from a, a slightly different um, perspective. Um, you ever been asked a question that was so easy, you overthought it and got it wrong? And then do that on tests, right, at school? Done that a few times, like, that, that he can't be asking this question. I'm going to overthink it. and It's got to be a trick question. And you outthink yourself and you get it wrong. It's like, oh, that was easy. They asked me an easy one. I was waiting for a trick question. Jesus is going to ask some simple questions this morning. Uh, and as we found out, uh, you know, some of the apostles and, and just people had the ability to get the, the simple questions wrong. Uh, we talked about last week, as we talked about wisdom this week, we're going to introduce a slightly different topic. Last week we talked about really the internal things, um, internal factors. He says, having eyes to see, uh, can you see? Having ears to hear, can, can you hear? Uh, right? those, those things, those have to do with me, my physical or, or spiritual capability, the things and, and the talents that I've, I've developed uh, you know, or, or the habits I've developed. They all have to do with me. Uh, we're going to look at it a different way. And I want to turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> verse 25 and 26. And we're going to eventually come back around to this uh, later on in the sermon, this story. But I, I just kind of want to introduce it uh, because here he asks two questions. We're going to kind of use one as, as the general uh, the general. Uh, question that, that kind of kicks off our topic. Luke 10, uh, verse 25 and 26. He says, uh, Behold, a lawyer uh, stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What's your reading of it? Or how do you read it? 
So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God. And we know uh, the story here, and it's in Matthew, it's, it's in various places. In fact, Matthew it is interesting in that, uh, in, in, uh, in that story. Uh, it's, it's told as though a person asks Jesus, and, and Jesus answers, uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Which, which kind of leads me to believe these are actually two separate incidents and this guy's heard and was there for the first one or heard about the first one so he answers the question this time um, but it's, it's interesting that it's phrased a slightly different way uh, and so there are two questions uh, and we're going to as I said circle back around to, to uh, the second question later on but we're going to look at it not from our perspective of, of, of me and my ability to read and my ability to understand and, and, and wisdom from that perspective, but we want to talk about wisdom today from the perspective of our source material. What are we using for source material? So here's a question, uh, and, and Jesus answers a question with a question, and he says, what is written? Have you, have you read this thing here? Uh, what is written? Uh, and so, so we're going to look at three questions now. We're going to jump into three more questions based on this one in which Jesus uses uh, these questions to help us to identify uh, wisdom from the perspective of our source material. Uh, Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 is the first question, is the simplest one. It's the most obvious one. And we're going to read uh, verse 1 through 5. Do I have that right? Yes, I have that right. He says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and a great multitude followed him, and he healed him there. And a Pharisee came to him and tested him and said to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become flesh, one flesh, and so they are no longer... Two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And so in here is a question. A simple question. Haven't you read? Have you read? It is the simplest question. Oh, we've got this great debate. We've got this great thing. We're going to test Jesus and, and, and all this, uh, you know, all the things they set up. And Jesus again turns around and asks a question. He answers a question with a question. He just simply says, what's your source material for this question? Where are you getting this from? Haven't you read? Have you read? So simple. A lot of times people want to stir up an argument. One of the simplest ways to shut down an argument is to simply, especially a, a spiritual one, is simply to quote. Or to, to do it, Jesus, I mean, just go back to the source material. Uh, when we lived in Ukraine, Ukraine is a, it was one of the Soviet countries, and so they've been raised... Or, or at least by the time when, when we were there, they were raised with the idea of having a dominant person as your leader. And they were, they were trained to, to be under a dominant 
person that tells you what to do constantly, and you do what you know the the premier or whatever says. That that's the way life goes. And so when when things opened up, they were kind of still trained that way. And so we we would be over there, and I had on numerous occasions they just wanted my opinion. Just what do you? And they were uncomfortable. Sometimes people were uncomfortable, and I said I would just say, what does it say? What does it say here? You read it. No, just tell me your opinion. Just tell me what to believe. Just tell me what to think. I had one time, and a person had their opinion, and I would not tell them my opinion. I wouldn't tell them what I believe. I just said, what does the verse say? They got angry with me. So it doesn't always work. (laughs) It doesn't always, you know, stop the debate. But they, they know that it says something. And I think there's something in people that, that it makes it comfortable for me to argue with a person because they're just a person and then it's your opinion and it's my opinion. But there's a level of frustration when you know you're arguing with God. And it can come out as frustration or anger or whatever. But there's a level of, I know at this point I'm arguing with God. I'm not arguing with you anymore. And that's what makes them frustrated. You kind of painted them into a corner. You have to argue with God now. Have you read? Now, when uh, you see this level of frustration with people, when they're presented with Scripture, uh, their frustration is because they're brought into a conflict. They're, They're brought into a conflict between something they've held for a long time they were, they were taught, they were raised, and now there's all sorts of things working in their head. Not only did they have to admit that they were wrong, but they were probably taught by people that they deeply respected. And, and maybe with good reason. You ever reached a... You had an epiphany, and, and, the, and the, you... I've got to admit that the, the person that baptized me wasn't right. Like, that's hard. That's hard because I really respect that person. Or, or a Bible college professor. Like, I have to reach a conclusion that that person wasn't you know, perfect and knew everything. That's hard. And so there's a lot of things like, or, or, I ha- or maybe grandma wasn't right. Or, or, and so people wrestle with this. And so these conflicts are... Um, you know, their challenges, not just, oh, here's a scripture, and I'm, I'm angry because you, you gave me the scripture, but there's a lot of things that people are wrestling with. No, this is not everyone. Some, some people you'll meet, some people are, are glad to give up anything. They're glad, like, they're just glad to hear the truth. Wow, really? Okay, they're, and they're excited. Some people will just react that way. You show them something, they're like, oh, wow, I never realized that. Boom, it changed. It's like, that's easy. I was like, wow, that was nice. But it's, I think, probably pretty rare. Um, and I suppose that's a, a separate sermon. But it starts with reading. And that is really the most important thing. There's a lot of methods, right? Uh, here, what, about three years ago, we read, read through as a congregation, went through the Bible in about eight or nine months. Um, you can do it chronologically. They make wonderful chronological Bibles. Those are pretty cool. 
and and you can read through and and you find out that the you know the books of your Bible weren't in order. <laughs> it's like you can find out that that parts of your you know like like Matthew puts things in in not chronological order. Some of the like the Sermon on the Mount is I know it's at the beginning of Matthew, but it's not at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it's like you learn all sorts of weird things if if you read it in chronological order. Like wow, I didn't know this. There's all sorts of ways to read. But the most important thing is that you do read. How you read, I mean, like the method that you use isn't really that important. The important thing is that you read. And that is difficult sometimes. What is our excuse not to? Jesus asks a man here, have you read? Now, this is one of those points where we need to go back in time, not 2020, and think that Jesus expected this man to have read. This man did not have Zondervan around, right? This man didn't have seven copies of the Bible in his house. Like, you know, most homes, most atheist homes probably have a Bible somewhere. Like they grew up, yeah, I got mom's Bible or something. Most homes have a Bible. Yeah, I always find it funny when, when you know they say, "Oh, number one on the best New York Times bestseller list." No, it ain't. There's one book, and ever since the year of 1450, it's been the number one bestseller, and that's the Bible. It's never been outproduced. It's never been outsold. Not a single year since the printing press was invented. Sorry. Everybody else is fighting for way second place. This man didn't have an excuse. You're a lawyer. Haven't you read? This man, by the way, as a lawyer... Uh, and as a scribe, a scribe, we, we call them lawyers. They weren't just a lawyer. The reason there's a reason that they were lawyers. It's because they knew it. Remember, a lot of this is it, it was the law. He was a scribe, which meant he was a copier of the law. Copiers of the law. It was a, a detailed thing. It, it, they had to know, uh, being Jewish, uh, at the end when they copied the, they didn't have spaces. In their words, imagine imagine reading and memorizing that kind of. They didn't have spaces between their words, uh, and, and and so they would write a copy when they were copying one form from from one scroll to another scroll. They would write a number at the end, and that was the number of letters in the line. And and the copy of your scriptures, they knew how many a scribe knew how many letters was in the Old Testament, in, in every book. And all they knew this. And at the end, they would go down and count them all up. And if the number was wrong, they threw it away. Imagine getting to the end and you're off by one letter. (sighs) So so they knew the law. They had to know the law. They they read it. And you might only do, you might be a great scribe and have only copied the law once in your life. Or twice. Probably not much more than that. I mean, that's a big book. And count and do all that. Have you read? Man, I have, I have Bibles. We all have Bibles on our phones. And we have, uh, not me because I have a flip phone, but, uh, but the rest of you have Bibles on your phones probably. And we have all these, 
I mean, you can get audio tapes. Good. You can have Darth Vader read you the Bible. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, you can get a copy of James Earl Jones reading the King James. That's awesome. True story. I wanted to get it, but it was expensive. You have no excuse. If a scribe has no excuse, I have no excuse not to read the word. Have you read? Well, let's go to a different question. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, beginning in verse 5, he says, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take the bread. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we've taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to you, What said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves that because you've brought no bread, do you... Not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets you collected, or the seven loaves and the four thousand, how many large baskets you collected? How is it that you don't understand that I didn't speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? And they understood that he did not tell them, beware of the leaven of the bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm not sure if they thought that because they had forgotten to take bread that the, the Pharisees were going to poison them. I'm not sure what their, their logic... It says that they were reasoning. So there was some sort of a logical process here that they went through, but I, I, it's always escaped me what conclusion they were reaching and what their logical process was. But it was the incorrect one. But Jesus asks them a question that is very, very important, having to do with our source material. He says, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Now, how does this story apply? Maybe it doesn't apply, because he's not asking them about something they read. It's not about the scriptures. He's asking them to remember an event. Now, here's why it applies. I don't have the convenience of remembering an event that Jesus did. I would love to be able to recall an event where... Yeah, like, these people, when they preached sermons, said, so there was this time where, like, I, I always say, when I was in Bible college, when I was in Ukraine, and you hear that a lot, right? Because those are events that are formative, and those are things that I recall. These people would say, uh, oh, here he goes again, because uh, this is funny, as we go back and, you know, I, I'm thinking about all the, the different ways and places I've preached. My, my translator, Eugene, would always say, you know, he would know when it was coming because I'd pause and he would say, when I was in Bible college. And, I, and, he, and every time I said that, because I'd use an illustration to, 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 to you know, show something that I'm trying to teach these people. And he'd, he'd always laugh because so many of my, my formative things that I'm you know, only a few years out of Bible college, a lot of the formative things are, are going to that point in time. And so, so they, that church got a healthy dose of illustrations from those four years. And he'd always laugh, you know, when I was in Bible college. I, imagine, imagine someone, you know, if, if, if the apostles needed a translator, and Eugene's translating for him, he's like, when I was with Jesus. Like, yeah, so there I was with Jesus. Like, oh, man. 
How great that would be to have that to throw in a sermon. Yeah, so there was the day that, that Jesus and I were catching fish. And Jesus said this. You know, like, ah, oh, that would be incredible. I wonder how many stories they told in sermons that we don't have. Like, oh, that would be so awesome to know those stories. I don't have those stories. So when Jesus asks, do you remember? I have to recall it from a different perspective. I have to recall it from having read it. I don't have that benefit. I can't remember what Jesus said from first person. I have to do it from third person. And I can guarantee that Jesus would ask this question today. I guarantee you it would not change it a bit. Don't you remember, Andrew? We forget things so easily. You have it on, in your mind. Monday was a person's birthday in our house. Yeah. I think that's twice. I might be forgetting that too, but I think that's twice that I've forgotten that birthday. And I think the other time I wasn't even married yet. So... I already had the present bought. I, I didn't like it. Didn't absolutely leave my brain. I had the thing planned. I had it. I just forgot what day it was. Right? We forget things so easily. Now, to be fair, I've forgotten my birthday way more times than that. So, I, I forget my own birthday. That's that's me digging. So. <laughs> We forget. God says, don't you remember what happened yesterday? I just fed 5,000 people yesterday. Do you, did you forget that? Oh, we forgot to bring bread. Jesus makes it from nothing. You remember the day before that when I fed 4,000 people? Did you forget that? Yesterday and the day before. Did you forget those two days? They kind of happened really recently. Oh, man, we forgot that. Good grief. Don't you remember? So how do we remember when we didn't even experience it? Man, if I didn't live it, what chance do I got? These people lived it and they forgot it. What, a, what, what do I have to do to remember it? Well, there's three things. I would say study it, first of all. Don't just read it. It begins with reading. And light reading is fine. It's, it's not bad. But it has limited usefulness. There again, just like reading, there's so many ways to study. You can, you can study with a commentary. Be careful when you do that. Uh, you can... Uh, Get out a Strong's Concordance and you can look up all the ways, a, a, like a topical study with how this word is used in different places. There's any kind of way. And any one of them is good. I met one guy. He read, he would take a book of the Bible and his way of studying was he would be in a New Testament somewhere he would take like a Ephesians. And he would read the whole book of Ephesians every day for a month. He knew it. It was committed to memory. 
After a month, he's like, I know, I know where that, that thing is. It's like it's in chapter 4. Because I've read it 30 times this month. We're memorized portions of it. We went to a, a Christmas play last Friday. Um, I know you think you don't have a good memory. Right? Some of you go, I don't have a good memory. I watched a kindergartner. I was like Linus. Do the whole chapter of Luke 2. Or the whole Christmas portion of Luke chapter 2. You can do it. A kindergartner stood in front of an audience like this and quoted Luke 2. It's impressive. Every, every year at Christmas... We get ready for the presents. Kids are excited. And Katie's dad is going to open up Luke 2. And we're going to read Luke 2. It's tradition. Right? It, 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 it's, it's a part of committing it to memory and recalling it. And the more you do it, so study it. Uh, but don't just study it. The second thing is to apply it. Right? When we go through scriptures, it's so easy to think about how so-and-so needs this verse. You ever done that? Uh, I preached a sermon once, I, I recall it, because I had preached it and wrote it for a particular person. They didn't show up to church. That was a waste of a morning. I don't do that no more. Oh, it's so easy to think about a verse and how another person needs it. Oh, it's so easy. Like, they need that verse. Ooh. Apply it to yourself. Ooh, I need that one. Go through and say, what could I learn from this text? I mean, in the middle of Ezekiel, you might be a little hard-pressed to do that. So should I be laying on my side for, yeah, for three years? Uh, but... Should I be, Katie pointed, should I be burning my hair in the middle of the church building? You know, for, for a sermon illustration? I don't, probably not. But, um, go through and apply things. How can I be different? How can I be closer to God? How can I do something better based on what I just read? Well, you start doing something based on it, and those things stick. Those things are always there, and you'll remember those things because you've used it. And the third one is to speak it. When you, we always get in a situation where someone says, but what about this? And you go, it seems like there's a verse about that somewhere. <laughs> and preachers do it too. I'm like, I'm going to have to get back on you. I know it's, but I don't want to misquote it, and I, I don't want to give you the place and it's not there. I'll come back and I'll have it. I, I'll have it. And then when you come back and you have it, it's there. And you'll have it. You use it. And someone wants to know about salvation or, or someone wants to know about whatever the doctrine is or the topic is, whatever it is, you will have it. I had, I had gone through, I think I probably talked about, I don't know if it was in a class or a sermon, but there was this... Uh, a preacher that I encountered, and, and, and he had said he said some weird stuff, and um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a 
you know, a, it wasn't a Church of Christ preacher. It was just it was a weird weird guy, but he was a preacher. And I, I but I was in Bible college, and I knew he was wrong, but I didn't know how he was wrong. It was one of those things that's like I uh, I don't know. So I went home and and my and my professor he says just read the book of John, Andrew. Just read the book of John. So I went and I highlighted the whole book of John, and uh, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna. I heard that same. That same exact thing from a Church of Christ preacher, but he was playing devil's advocate. I don't know if he was or not. We were on an airplane uh, flying uh, on a mission trip. This was before I lived in Ukraine. We were going over to Belarus. And so for you know nine hours, I'm on a plane, and I heard this guy mention that my ears perked up. Oh, man. I was all over that. Why? Because I'd already been down that road. I recalled it, just every verse. I'm like, what about Hebrews? What about this? What about that? And uh, he was not ready for that. I would never have been able to do that unless I'd already done it. And it was there. So, do you remember? And the third thing that is very, very, very important, Luke chapter 10. We're going to go back to where we started. read this again, beginning in verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? And what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly, so do this and you'll live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And then we know the rest of this story. Good Samaritan. And this is a, a really important question. And maybe the most important question of, of the questions that he asks. How do you read it? How do you read it? It's not just, have you read it? It's not even, do you remember it? This guy remembered perfectly Jesus' words. And the words of the law. He was quoting from Deuteronomy. He remembered the question. Now remember, he didn't even ask him, what's the greatest commandment? The question had been asked to Jesus previously, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this, and the second one is like it. He added to the question. This guy remembered the perfect answer. He remembered the whole answer. He remembered part A and part B. But Jesus asked him, how do you read it? Well, we know how this man read it, because it says how he read it. He wanting to justify himself. He had a motive in how he read it. See, he's not just asking if this man has read it. But, and not just if he remembers it. The ability to quote it 
is part of the battle. But getting the value out of these scriptures depends on reading it the right way. There are so many pitfalls of our motives. And you will see pitfalls of motives in the people you deal with. And it's easy to have them in yourself. It's easy to see it when it's other people, and it's so hard to see it. This man, we'll begin where this man ends his justification. I want to... I want to justify my position. I want to justify my behavior. I want to prove my point. Whatever that that case is, right? I'm doing this thing. I want to justify not doing this thing. Whatever the case may be. But justification is not a good motive for reading the Scripture or memorizing Scripture. You will come out with the wrong answer. Selfish purposes. What can I gain? Now, I look around this room and I don't see a lot of that. The Bible warns us about that. Paul wrote to Timothy. Like, I've, I've, I guess I've never been in a church where I saw that. Where people tried to come in and sneak. I've heard stories, but I've never actually been in a situation where someone like, did some really underhanded financial thing to a church. I've heard of stories where, where people came in and got themselves on the board, sold property, and made off with the money. That's crazy. I've never been in a church like that. I'm, I'm really glad. But it exists, so we'll mention it. I don't know. There's maybe other motives that you could have selfish motives for, for trying to use the scriptures or whatever. It does exist. If, if it's not you, then wonderful. Be aware that, that some people read the scriptures that way. We mentioned it, but it's slightly different from justification, but proving a point. So many people read the scriptures trying to win debates. Oh, and the logic is horrible. I've seen people use scriptures badly to prove correct things. You ever, you ever heard, it's like, I agree with you, but the way that you're using that verse is horrible. That's not the way that verse, that's not what that means. So don't. I wish that our Bible didn't have chapters and verses, and it would make it a little bit harder to do that. It was originally written, it didn't, like I said, they didn't even have spaces between their words. Forget verse numbers and chapter numbers. It was just a letter. And it was a whole thought. And we come along and we go, I'm going to take that phrase. What? That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. What's the context around it? Legalism is another thing that people do. People use, I mentioned it a little bit, talking about looking at other people and, and, and forming a, a sermon or a, a, a thing, and I, you know, I'm going to use it for that person, or this person needs that. But we can use and read scriptures and find the wrong thing. The, the ability to look and read and find the wrong thing. You come against that all the time. It's like, how did you get that lesson 
from, from that chapter. I'm not sure how you got there. Legalism is one thing. It's like the opposite of justification. Justification is typically when, when a person doesn't want any type of, of limits, right? They, they just want to do whatever they want. So they look for the verses that say you can do whatever you want. And, and legalism is the other. Legalism is, is when you want control over people and, and you want to make people just like you or think like you or talk like you. And you look for the verses that are going to make them think like you and talk like you and act like you. And that's the wrong way. That's not what the Bible's for. There, there are limits in the Bible. I don't want to say that there are no limits in the Bible. But that's not what the New Testament's about. And we could probably make a long, long, long list of, of wrong ways to read the Bible and to study the Bible. But it's important that we ask the question that Jesus asks because I'm sure if he walked here today, he would say, Andrew... How are you reading that? Good grief, Andrew. How did you come to that conclusion? I'm sure there are those things. If I don't read it the right way, I'm not going to reach the right conclusion. Just like this man quoted it perfectly and came up with the exact wrong conclusion. Perfect. Word for word. As we conclude... Just a pretty simple thing. I've, I've mentioned this before in a different application a couple of years ago. Maybe the first year I was here. You know, a lot of new faces here. So, The goal in any, really any spiritual endeavor, it, it's easy to want to be, you look at an icon of, of your faith, right? Every one of us who's been, you know, involved in church, you know, the longer you've been involved, probably the longer you have a, a mentor or someone you recall. They might have been passed on already. They might, but there's a there's a person in your mind you think of. That's the person that I wish I could be. Right? Is everybody who has that person in their mind right now? You have that mind? Yes. Yeah. I wish you might have a couple of them, like. If I could be a mixture of that person and that person, that would be great. Yeah. And we, we look at that person, and that's and such a, a, a lofty goal that you go, I will never get there. You might not. I don't know. And here's the challenge. You're, if, we've, if we've made circles, like a target, right? I don't know where you're at on that circle. You might be kind of way out on the circle. You might be in towards the circle. The, the, the goal is to get one circle closer. So I don't know where you're at. In this you can do this with any topic. Any topic you can do this with. You might be, I read my Bible. Yeah. I mean, there's, you can tell that it's been read. There's some people, it's like... <laughs> You know, there's like a layer of dust on it. It's like you get allergies from thy Bible. There's so much dust. Then get one step closer. Open it. That's one step closer. Don't judge yourself by like somebody who's like got a professor for a dad or, you know, like, okay, that's, that's them. Get one circle closer. 
Open it. That's not me. This sermon's not for me. I read it every day. Good. Study it. Okay. Well, I read it. I get out commentaries. Good. Memorize it. Find a chapter. Memorize it. Get, get just wherever you are, get one circle closer. You got that down? Yeah. I memorize it. Talk to someone about it. That's harder. One circle closer. So so today, leave. And and Friday, Saturday, be one circle closer. And and it might take you a long time to develop that habit of one circle closer. You're like, oh, I started off good Monday, Tuesday. And I was three chapters a day. And Thursday hit. And something happened or whatever. Just get closer. And that's all. I'm going to conclude with that.